Are you an artist trying to improve your digital marketing, but not sure how to approach it on Instagram and Pinterest? Do you have a newsletter, but you don't know what to say and don't want to bother people? Kirby is here to help you sell your art online and off by leveraging popular social media and focused email campaigns. You're listening to the Curious Kirby Podcast. Welcome back to Curious Kirby. So in light of what's going on right now, I'm going to actually bump ahead a topic that I wasn't going to start with. We do have an interview a little bit later with Ohana Resin Designs, but let's talk about diversifying income. So now that this coronavirus has everyone kind of freaked out, hopefully self-isolating, but really affecting our art businesses, we really need to think of other ways to support ourselves. I know that some of you are probably really in a tight spot right now. I myself had a bit of a freak out, but then of course I started thinking, well, what can we do? So I want to talk about diversifying your income. Of course, right now is the time to push everything online. Your, as much as your artwork as possible, move your art to your website. For example, if you have a store on your website, not everybody has a store on their website. So one thing you might do is open that Etsy store or reopen that Etsy store. The good thing about Etsy is it doesn't really cost a bunch of money to start. I mean, they are going to start charging you a monthly fee and or a percentage off your sales. And I realize now that they're asking, you know, for free shipping, that sort of thing, but it's better than having no store. It's better than having no gallery to let anybody walk through, right? And even if you have all your social network sites up and you're showing all your art right now, you need somewhere to sell that art. So Etsy may be an option. Another option could be Shopify or Square. So Shopify will let you create your own uh, store. But also, if you already have Square, if that's what you're using to take money at the festivals, Square lets you put an, together an online store. You can set it up right there in square.com and they will help you set that up so that you can actually still sell your art. Problem is sometimes people around are also a little feeling a little bit of a pinch on their wallets and they're not going to buy that great big piece of art that costs thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars. Either way, they're not going to spend that much on art right now. So we really need to get creative and diversify our income. And this diversification is something that I hope that you will continue post-coronavirus crisis. And the reason I think for that, because I don't know any, I won't say any, I don't know many artists who make money just on the paintings themselves. Usually there's a little something else. There's different ways to diversify your income. And if you look around, most of the people in the world who are talking about, you know, the business coaches, et cetera, they're all talking about diversifying income. Millionaires don't get to be millionaires because they worked on just one thing. They usually have multiple sources of income as well. So here's a couple of ideas, and I'm not going to run the whole gamut of ideas because there's ideas you will have that I can't think of, but here's something that I can think of that hopefully can energize you today and help you diversify your income right now. And so these are all going to be things that you can do while you're still social distancing, self-isolating, and trying to get through this coronavirus crisis. First one is use some print-on-demand tools. So these are websites that you sign up for, you upload images, and they print them on things when people buy them. So for example, nothing is purchased, then nothing gets printed. So there's not an over-inventory problem at all. So you're going to put some images up on something like redbubble.com, and I'll give you a couple of others in a moment. And 
then you can offer it to your friends and family and you can tell them, Hey, here's a way that you can, you know, support me, support my art without having to buy a huge expensive piece. You can buy a mug and people are going to use mugs. So you they need mugs anyway, right? They can buy a water bottle. They can buy a t-shirt. The art that you put on this um, products, keep in mind that that page is public. So if you are very concerned about your artwork being on a website that you're not in control of, I know for intellectual property reasons, some people are worried about it. Yeah, it will be there. Maybe you would just send sections of it in that case um, so that you'd have details. The other worry people would have is that, well, if I sell, sell prints through Redbubble, then my giclés are not going to be worth as much. These prints are also not going to be as high quality as a giclé, and you're not going to get a chance to sign them independently. So my answer to that is you don't have to sell prints through Redbubble or any of these other ones. You have the option to, should you want to, but you don't have to. And what you can do in that place is sell things like the mugs. You can sell shower curtains in some of them. You can sell tapestries. You can sell t-shirts. You can sell some that you create leggings. So you have a bunch of options and you get to choose as the artist what gets sold and what gets not, what gets printed and what does not. Okay, so here's a couple of tools that'll let you do this. So again, redbubble.com I mentioned before, shopvita.com. These guys have the best t-shirts. They're the ones that give you the full wrap around the arms, et cetera, of the t-shirt. So it's not just a print in the middle of the t-shirt. I haven't used them yet. I truly intend to because I have seen the results. I've seen some of my friends who have Shop Vita t-shirts made out of their artwork and it's stunning. Society6 is another one. Fineartamerica.com is another and that's one where they will actually print high quality prints for you as well. Zazzle.com, that's an oldie but a goodie and they've been adding and adding and adding different types of content. So if you want to get really creative with some of your content, use Zazzle. Cafepress.com is another one. There's a ton of them out there and I didn't mention them all. So if you want to look around and see what you can get, they have different options of what to sell and different percentages that they take, but they also let you choose the pricing. Next diversification idea, create a webinar. So now this webinar could be something like kids classes. So I'll tell you that Jessica Pierce from Art With Me AZ, and we do have an interview coming up soon, she's creating online kid classes that she's offering for $10. So if you're not going to do kid classes, by the way, and you have kids, maybe you should go check out artwithmeaz.com. She's creating these classes for $10 and they're going to be held over a live webinar and kids can follow along. The whole family can follow along and, and do some art classes. Maybe you don't do kids classes. Maybe you want to do a master class. Teach a master class on webinar software. By webinar software, I mostly mean Zoom. Zoom.com or Zoom.us. They actually are and have for a very long time offering 40 minutes for free for web conferencing. And Zoom's a very slick platform, very nice. I would also say support them because they have also offered for free their tool for schools to use right now in this crisis. So that's a sign of a very you know, good company. And even if you decide you, your classes need to be more than 40 minutes, then it's only $15 a month for the basic level of Zoom. So you can have longer classes. I would say it would be worth it especially if you have anything to teach. Again, you could do a master class, you can do a kid's class, you could do business classes, anything you you know that you think can help others, you can create a webinar for. 
All right, now maybe it's not a webinar that you're going to do. Maybe you would do a non-webinar, but still online coursework that has modules and exercises. As an example, I'm about to launch a mini course and I'm using a tool called Kajabi. So my course is going to be on hashtags and Kajabi is a tool, kajabi.com is a tool that I'm using and it is probably the nicest online courseware that you can get. You can white label it, which basically means you can put your logo on it. I actually have been using Kajabi for a number of years for my cyber investigation business. And if you want to check that out, that's at academy.plesis.net. All of these links are going to be in the show notes. So if you want to, you can just go to the post about this on curiouskirby.com and click through. This is the nicest tool for online courses. Absolutely. However, it's not free. You can get a free 14-day trial. So if you, for example, think, okay, I want to make a class and I'm going to give it a try. And maybe at that class, you actually make the money to pay for your first month, right? So it might be worth it just to even try the 14-day free trial. But the lowest level is $200 a month. You don't have to use a software like that to create classes. I'm just saying that that's the best. On the other hand, there's a couple of inexpensive options that you can create a class and they will take percentages rather than you having to pay up front. And I'm specifically talking about teachable.com and skillshare.com. Both teachable and skillshare let you create your coursework. They take a percentage of whatever you make, but they also help you sort of market. It's kind of like Etsy, where you can actually be found by subject rather than you having to do all the marketing yourself. Of course, just like Etsy, you're going to do the best if you do your own marketing as well. Okay, the last diversification tool I want to talk about today is Patreon. So Patreon is a tool really specifically set up to help you allow your collectors to support you. It's set up so that those who follow your work, who love what you do and want you to keep doing it, can give you money monthly to help you keep creating art, to help give you the money and the time to keep doing it. So you can you know, give them prizes at certain levels of monthly donations. So for example, $5 a month donors, maybe you send them a packet of stickers or people who donate $25 a month, maybe every month they get a sketch that you did as you were practicing. But you don't have to create these. You can just set this up and, and ask people who support you to donate to you monthly. And the donations don't have to be high. It could be a dollar a month. You don't need to use Patreon specifically. Now, Patreon, of course, is going to take a little share of it. But any tool that you use for this is going to take a share. But if you're not giving prizes and you're not, you know, not prizes, if you're not giving little stickers or anything like that, you might be better off just using GoFundMe and just letting people throw some money in to help you get past this crisis. Patreon would be something, though, that would be an ongoing monthly donation that would be beyond this crisis and into the future. So just a couple of things to think about to help you diversify your income. Now, let's talk to the father-daughter team that runs Ohana Resin Designs. All right. Welcome to the Curious Kirby podcast. Today, I'm sitting with Troy and Lauren Kamek, thank you so much for joining me. You bet. Thanks for having us. And I know you are some resin artists with a studio in Apache Junction. Can you tell me how did you come about to getting uh, your studio? How did you come into your art? Um, well, I've been a creator all my life. You know, I was raised, you know, my mom was a crafty person and and so I've been making things my whole life. 
Um, I, uh, I really gravitated towards woodworking and was focusing on that for about 20 years. Um, and then just any other things, cool things that I could find that I wanted to create. And so that's kind of my background as where I started. Um, Lauren, on the other hand, uh, she is very talented and has really focused on, you know, she, she grew up doing paintings and watercolors and what other kind of things did you do? Yeah, I like to paint. I like to draw, but mainly we just love creating and we actually found resin because we wanted to do some countertops for our, our house. And through that, we were like, oh, hey, this looks pretty cool. And we started playing with it and it actually became a business for us. Yeah, we still we still haven't done the countertops for our our cabin. You know, we, we were going to do that and it turned into a business. And that was over a year ago and we still haven't done uh, anything for the cabin. We just recently uh, took the uh, opportunity to uh, create some pieces for our home. But other than that, we've been doing it for everybody else. I noticed that online on your Instagram account that you started off uh, definitely with the countertops, but you've, you've done a lot of different resin work as well, right? Not just the countertops. Yeah. So we uh, originally, we started, uh, like Lauren said, with countertops in mind. And from the beginning, we, we, we wanted to focus even our countertops to be a, an artistic style countertop. You know, if, if you want marble, if you want granite, you know, then go buy marble and granite. But if you want something that's artistic, that's a statement piece that you really can't get through natural stone, that's where we wanted to position, position ourselves. And then as we got doing that, um, especially with uh, how large countertop jobs can be, um, we started playing around with some large scale art and uh, and then started transitioning to a lot more art pieces. And we've been really, really fortunate um, uh, with some of the clients that we've had that have allowed us to do some really big art pieces and to really promote our art. Um, and we just started building another countertop job today. But other than that, it's been a couple of months since we've built a countertop. So all of our projects prior to that have all been art. So that, that's really exciting for us. And they're beautiful. I saw the piece that it, I think there's four Thank large you. pieces kind of together. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we, we did uh, three really large panels that were uh, 72 inches tall by 44 inches wide. And then we had four small pieces that were each two foot by two foot um, as, as a collection also. And those, those uh, we just delivered last weekend. Awesome. So right now you're just doing them at your studio and they go straight to the collector. You don't do any art shows or any galleries? We have never been in an art show. We've never been in a gallery. The only thing that we've done, um, we did do like the Gilbert... Um, that's yeah, like, that's pretty much like a craft show. Yeah, it was like a craft show. And then we did a, the uh, Maricopa County home and garden show, um, like in April last day. Yeah. This past April. But other than that, we've not, we haven't been in any galleries or any art. Shows. How was the home and garden show? Did you get some customers out of that? 
We did. Uh, the funny thing with that was uh, um, when we were when we were meeting with the or uh, setting things up with the home and garden show, I sent them pictures of some of our our sample boards, and uh, they sent me a picture back of a of an office that had an art mural on it. And it was one of those art murals that was probably printed on like a wallpaper and then papered on, but it looked like a resin kind of had a resin feel to it. And uh, they said, Hey, can you do this? And my, my immediate response to when anybody asks me that is always yes. (laughs) And even if I've never done it before, because you know, we, we, I, I love to figure things out. I love to challenge myself. And, and, uh, that's so, so we told him yes. And we did a, uh, uh, it was about a 14 foot by eight foot, um, piece for the home and garden shows main office. And, uh, so that's in their main lobby right now. And, uh, then we did get a handful of countertop jobs from that as well. Um, but we didn't get any more art uh, work directly from that. That was mainly countertop stuff that we got from that show. How are you finding your art collectors? <laughs> uh, <luck>. Word of mouth? <laughs> so, Is it word of mouth? Uh, well, n- no, not yet. Not yet. We, I, I think with the pieces that we just delivered um, this last weekend, I think we're going to get a lot of word of mouth from that. Uh, particular client she was she was very very ecstatic with that um, the art pieces that we've done we've mainly been advertising on uh, Facebook marketplace which really isn't the best place to advertise for art but we've been really fortunate that uh, um, a handful of our clients have come through that and and that's that's how the large art pieces that we just completed and delivered, they found us through Marketplace. The uh, uh, One of the pieces that we're going to be installing next weekend, um, it's a 13-foot by 30-inch uh, piece that's going to go above uh, some wainscoting. Um, and that one we found also, they found us on uh, uh, Facebook Marketplace. Um, but And that that's kind of been our main our main area is Facebook marketplace and Facebook itself. Um, and we're trying, we're trying right now to, to figure out how we're going to approach our marketing, what, what we're going to use, what's going to suit our needs best and what's really going to promote us uh, to do the jobs that we want to be doing and not just getting jobs that, you know, like I said, the countertop jobs we love, and especially if we can do some highly artistic ones, but we would much rather be creating, you know, large, large art pieces or small art pieces or functional art. And so that's what we've got to, we're really trying to figure out now is how we're going to, how we're going to market to that and, and, and bring those well, clients I think in. that you're doing great as far as Facebook Marketplace. People kind of poo-poo it a little bit, but there's a lot of people looking at it. And just your your testimonial about it alone. So Facebook Marketplace and Facebook are still great. Instagram can be great for some people as mm-hmm. well. Um, I, I know Pinterest is also another place. Have you guys looked into using Pinterest? 
You know, we've looked into it and I, I I'm just not savvy with any of, uh, of, of this stuff. You know, fa- I didn't have a Facebook account. I didn't have an Instagram account. I didn't have a Pinterest account until we started doing, um, this until Lauren and I started this company. And so I, I've, I've definitely been told that I need to utilize Pinterest and, I just haven't got the slightest idea on how to to bring that into uh, something that's going to not just get lost on the thousands of other artists that are on there. So, yeah, it, it's definitely been something that uh, we, we've we've talked about and and I just haven't been able to figure out a, an effective way for me to to learn about it enough and to be able to implement it. But it's definitely been on our list of uh, possibilities. It's very visual. So I think your stuff would go great there. It it does really need for you to have somewhere to send them. So either you send them to your Facebook account or you send them to your website. You absolutely need to have that because Pinterest is unlike social media. It's not trying to keep people there. It's trying to send them somewhere. Um, But I really think visually Mm -hmm. your big pieces will do great on there and just make sure that you put all the keywords that are somebody would be searching for because it's not social media. It's a search engine. There's actually a podcast Uh called the simple pin podcast. And she just talks about just using Pinterest for marketing. That's the 100% what that podcast is about. So if you ever really want to deep dive into Pinterest, there's that. I think, yeah, I think the other thing that I would suggest, um, well, of course, make sure your website, you know, up, get that up to date, et cetera, but also consider getting a newsletter because then anybody who's bought from you in the past, you can keep them up to date and you can, can remind them. And even people who haven't bought from you, if you entice them to join your newsletter, you can remind them that you're out there and keep showing them your newest stuff. And, you know, eventually it, maybe it'll tip them over into buying it, especially with your large pieces. You know, they say that for large purchases, people need to see something like seven times before they finally make the decision to buy. And a newsletter is awesome for getting in front of them and not having to depend on like the algorithm for Facebook or Instagram. Uh huh. Yeah, we we have we have a number of people through our website that uh, have subscribed uh, in hopes of a newsletter, and I think I'd sent out a a few. Uh, uh, emails and kind of uh, uh, an about us thing. But uh, yeah, I definitely need to work on a a newsletter. One of the things that Lauren and I have talked about uh, that we, that we would like to do is, uh, you know, Pinterest or sorry, uh, Instagram and, and Facebook are full of the video tutorials. And, and so we, we, we try to do some of our, our, our show our process on the videos. But one of the things that Lauren really relates to and uh, more than those are the, uh, the blog type DIYs or the blog type tutorials where it, it shows pictures of the process and then gives an in-depth description of that process as well. So you can scroll through it instead of having to watch it and so that's something that we've been talking about doing, and that would be another great way for us to incorporate that into a newsletter. And and, and so that would be we, beautiful we've talked for about Pinterest that as well. as well. 
Okay, right? yeah, I didn't even you, consider what you putting do is that you, on Pinterest. You know, put up one of the blog articles and then take that blog article and make several different pins, like a pin for every image and different keywords, and then people could come through your website through there, you know? Okay, so oh, that's let's, a great let's idea. move on. And I want to ask you if you are part of any art associations. Uh, so I joined probably six or seven months oh, okay. ago, the Sonoran Arts League. And other than that, I have not joined anything. Um, that's another thing that we, Lauren and I were just, we sat down uh, a couple of days ago. Like I said, we're, we're really trying to, to figure out how to approach our marketing with, with purpose right now to, to really get the, the clients that we, that we want and do the, the kind of work that we want to be doing. And in that, We've we've talked about joining because um, we we need to get our work needs to be in front of interior designers. It needs to be in front of architects. It needs to be in front of realtors, and and so we're trying to figure out how to get in front of those those groups of people. And and one of the things that we've talked about is joining groups uh, like for. Uh, for instance, for the uh, interior designers, you have the uh, American Society of, in of Interior Designers, and they have, uh, I think they have monthly meetings, and it's a membership and and that. And so we're we're going to join that, and and then we're going to be looking at other types of groups as well to to join, so that we can network with people and show them what we can do, and and start. Uh, uh, building a name for us in those design communities, um, and and then be because most of our work that we do, uh, um, we actually do uh, are are all commissions, and we haven't had we haven't marketed any of our art pieces that we have created just on our own, which would be more geared towards some of some of the art type groups, but yeah. So that's definitely something we are, are looking at and trying to figure out who, where we should join, where we should spend our I time. I think that's brilliant. I think that, with. you know, joining the arts leagues are great. I mean, you mentioned the Sonoran arts league and I'm a member there as well, but I think that you're right. It's very smart to join those associations for the interior designers or that sort of so that you can actually talk to your clients rather than just to other artists. Yeah, it, it, it is wonderful. I do love uh, talking with other artists and it always gives me um, uh, new ideas and, and it, it, it's fun to, to see people's, you know, different people's approaches to things. But uh, uh, we really need to right now as a new company focus on getting in front of our clients, like you said. Can you tell me the very first piece you sold? Do you remember it? Do you remember how you sold it? The very first art piece that we sold was um, actually the art mural wall that we did for the Maricopa County Home and Garden Show uh, for their lobby entrance. And I... I I shared a little bit about how that came to be, where they they sent us a picture um, mm -hmm. and just asked if we could do it, and uh, I just you know I my, my reply was yes, absolutely we can do that, and and it was it was quite a challenge for us because everything that we had done prior to that 
um, was was small in comparison, and we didn't realize the the kind of challenges that would come in scaling the art piece so big. Um, but that that was the first piece that we the first art piece that we've actually sold was that one. What was the main challenge in going bigger? Oh, just what was your main challenge, Lauren? When you can't reach your arm to the middle. <laughs> I was covered in resin. I had resin all over my clothes. My pants were completely crunchy after they dried <laughs> because I was literally like you were swimming in it on my ground next to it, trying to reach in all the way. That, that's true. I com- I completely forgot that. Yeah, she was she was covered head to toe in resin. It was it, it was it was comical. The, the sad thing was, was we have a, a, a 20, 20 minute drive home. And so, uh, as you know, with, with the resin, I mean, she'd, she'd spend, you know, hours working on the panels and having, being covered head to toe in resin. And then it would take her hours to clean up once we finally got home. And, and, uh, so the, the other, the other challenge with it that, that I noticed is that it's, it's, to me, it's not difficult to create an amazing piece of art that is small. You get you, you you get really cool effects, and you get the cool cells, and you get the the you know the the lacing, and it's really easy to get that effect on a small piece and to have that small piece be cohesive. But then to scale that to something so large, where you're 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 trying to have large uh, sections of color and have those large sections blending together and then getting that the cells and the the different interactions of the of the uh, the resin on a large scale that gets to be really difficult and and especially when you've only got a 40 minute working time of the resin you have to be very very quick very thoughtful and very purposeful in everything that you do, because as soon as you lose your working time, it's game over and you're going to end up having to do another pour if uh, you don't nail down that, uh, that first layer. Let's talk a little bit about process since we're kind of into this. What kind of resin do you use right now? So we use a couple of different resins right now for our countertops. We are using stone coat uh, countertop epoxy. Mm-hmm. And we absolutely love that um, for the countertops. It's it's proven to be really easy for us to work with, um, and it has the, the 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 heat resistance and the scratch resistance, and 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 that is just second to none as for that. Um, and then uh, with with the the one thing that that product, it's a very thick um, resin. And so it, it kind of limits us in some of the art pieces that we're able to do. And so for some of the larger art pieces or when we need a thinner viscosity resin, um, we're using art resin brand. Mm-hmm. And that, that allows us to, you know, we get the same open time, but it's a lot thinner in viscosity and we get, we're able to do some different effects. We're able to use, you know, some different tools, but 
you know, the, the, the two resins are completely different in their workability and in, in, in how you obtain certain effects. And so we've, we've really had to learn, um, how to use each one and when to use each one. And there's still a couple of resin brands that we're interested in using and seeing, you know, every brand brings to the table different uh, characteristics. And then it's finding which brand you need for whatever art piece you're going to be working with. I agree. You know, um, I use Stone Coat, their art coat a lot. I do like uh -huh. that. Have you tried their art coat? Uh, we have we have tried their art coat, and uh, we didn't have as much success with that as we have with the art resin. And I don't remember what. Uh, do you remember what the difference was with you with the two brands, Lauren? No, I don't. I don't remember what what it was, but uh, um, we we recently started using the art resin brand, and. Uh, and and had some really good success with it and so so you know well it's we we've tried the art the, the art coat before and uh i think we still have some in the shop so it's just a matter of playing around with it finding time to to experiment and play with those resins again and figure out how to utilize them for the different effects that we need the one thing i was finding with art resin is that it's a softer finish so Maybe there's like a good argument for doing the colors with the art resin and then doing a quick, like a coat with the stone coat at the end to kind of harden it up. And, and we, we've done that before and, and the, the art resin or the, sorry, the art coat with the stone coat does work well. Um, they play well together. Um, the uh, the art resin brand um, we've found actually it's it, it doesn't have the heat resistance that the uh, stone coat has and I'm not positive we haven't done any testing on its scratch resistance but the finish and the final fill of it feels very similar in hardness to the to the stone coat product and. Uh, you know, so like you said, it, it's 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 a matter of you know trying to figure out what what you what characteristics you need out of it, and with a lot of our large art pieces or or the pieces that are hanging on the walls, we're not as concerned about the scratching, or obviously certainly not concerned about the heat. We're we're really concerned about how the colors work with that, and we're really concerned about um, the ambering. Uh, yellowing of the resin and making sure that that the art piece that we're giving somebody that they're going to be able to enjoy that for many 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 years um, and so we'll, we'll 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 pick and choose what products we're using to to get those kind of benefits for the client yes definitely yeah another one that I was using I tried faux rizzles UV coat and I saw that stone coat actually has a UV coat too so yeah I but I haven't tried theirs yet yeah, we haven't tried. We haven't tried faux rizzle. We did. Uh, Ligari has sent us. Uh, they were kind enough and sent us some uh, some resin to try, and we just haven't had the time to uh, to play with their brand uh, yet. And then I have another company. Uh, I don't remember their name. Uh, 
but uh, they're they're out of the country and they sent us us uh, some small samples uh, to play with as well. And so we will be trying more resins and and kind of getting a feel for for some. There's a resin uh, out of Italy that uh, I want to play with as well, and and it's not it's more of a floor type resin. Um, but the benefit to that kind of resin is it's something that, uh, we can actually use outside and that you don't have the issues of yellowing like you do some of the, the other resin brands that we have. And so there's, there's a lot of resins out there that we're, that we're looking to, to play with and experiment with. You know, I think that, that maybe a year and a half ago or so, it seemed like there weren't that many brands, but now there's so many brands of resin out there. Oh, there's, there's so many every, it seems like every day, another brand or two are popping up, which is, is fantastic. If, uh, if they are ref- if they're creating their own formulations, um, and not just white label, uh, you know, just, right. just still a, a formulation that's already out there. And, and, and I've seen, I've noticed a lot of artists that are creating and having chemists formulate a new, resin specific to their needs uh, miss colorberry just came up I with one that. which um, i'm interested to try mm-hmm. and and that really gets me excited when you have a resin that is is made for a specific purpose because you know then 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 you you kind of get an idea of what's important to that artist and then you can see if that's something that will benefit you in your process now, we're probably going to have people who haven't used resin before listening to this podcast, and maybe they're interested. Do you give workshops? Um, we originally were going to give workshops, and we were trying to promote the workshops, and we didn't have any success with that. Um, with with a resin workshop, the in order to get the most bang for your buck, it needs to be a two-day uh, workshop. And I guess we were going more gearing it more towards the countertops, which if we were gearing it towards art would be completely different. Um, but, uh, uh, we just didn't get a very strong, uh, uh, interest level once they saw the price on that. You know, we were, we were putting about $450 worth of materials per person into it. And, and with our workshops, people were going to be coming away with, four to six art pieces they were going to be coming away with uh uh like a sofa table um top and and then all of the skills uh, that they would need to actually build it and so we kind of pulled back on that and uh we've been toying with the idea of of doing smaller workshops to where they just come in and do like a an art project where, where, where say you do like a, a pineapple with like a, an ocean theme on it. Everybody does kind of this, everybody has the same shape and then they can pick their colors and they, they get a play with it and you teach them how to do that. And then we condense that workshop more into an hour or two hours instead of a two day workshop. And, and so we've toyed with that and, and we're open to doing workshops. It just, we just haven't found the, the right fit yet. And we've got to really put together 
what we want to be doing with that and then figure out a way to really market it and get that out to people. And the, it, it gets, it gets uh, really difficult when you have three or four people that want to do it, but in order for it to be worth our while, we need 10 to 15 people um, or we're just losing money on, on the process of it. So we're, we're definitely interested in it. It's just a, a, a lot more of a challenge and, and a lot more marketing that goes into uh, putting on those kind right. of workshops. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. We're still talking about process, but I wanted to know, what is your day in the studio like? You know, you come in, you have some coffee, you think about things, or you just start diving into resin. What does it kind of look like? What's it look like, Lauren? Uh, we don't have time to stop for anything when we're working. <laughs> my, my dad is a very, uh, he, he won't stop to eat. He won't stop to drink. We'll be working outside. It's 120 degrees and we don't have time for anything else other than the project is the most important thing. So that's the kind of funny thing about us. We, we don't do a kind of a tranquil, like start to the day. It's There is no easing into yeah, the day. Okay. <laughs> do you listen to music while you're working? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, it's li like Lauren said, sometimes as soon as we get to the studio, we hit the ground running and I don't even take the time to put on music. And, and so a lot of times we work in silence and sometimes I'll, I'll actually put music on, but, uh, we usually try to, to, um, because our pieces are so, uh, have been so big or if we're doing countertops it's a very large process it's not just a you know where we can walk into the studio and and just pop out four or five or ten small pieces in a sitting and kind of play with it and and it, it, it's it's very different process for us to where we have goals every day we know what we need to get accomplished we're on we're on a timeline because we have deadlines that we need to meet and so when when we wake up and when we when we get to the studio it we hit the ground running and and we don't stop until we until it's either too dark we're too sticky or the project is done for, you know, the, that, that, that benchmark for the day is done. And so, yeah, that's kind of my, uh, one of the, one of the things that I've struggled with my whole life is, is I don't know when to stop. If, 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 if I have light and, or, you know, if I have lighting and if it's not raining on me, I will work from the time I get up until the time that, somebody forces me to stop and I'm real lucky to have Lauren here because she she's the one who helps bring the balance in and and has helped me realize that you know what we we shouldn't be spending every waking minute of our day working and that we we do need to find balance but it, it is hard to do that especially when you're running a small business um, because if you're not working you're not you're not making right. any money um, how many hours a week do you think you're spending actually with resin? Uh, so I'm a full-time firefighter and I work, uh, 24 hour shifts and I am one day on and then two days off. And every, every one of our two days off, we are working in some capacity, whether we're building countertops, whether we're building the, we build all of our own, uh, um, 
art boards or art cradles, as some artists call them. We, we build everything that we do, we hand make ourselves. And then the only day that we don't work is we don't work on Sunday. And um, if Lauren can help it, we don't work on holidays and we don't work okay. on birthdays. <laughs> so other than that, it's, it's every single day, typically from, we'll, we'll, we're typically in the shop you know, maybe nine, nine thirty in the morning and we'll leave the shop maybe anywhere from five to to eight o'clock at night, depending on what project we have going on. Okay. And you mentioned that you're using like art resin, which is a non-toxic resin. I'm not sure about the others, but do you use uh, safety equipment with that? We, uh, we do whenever we're, whenever we're doing our builds, um, we're wearing um, our particle masks, our eye safety, and our hearing protection. Um, I, I did I did take some hearing protection you might have seen, and I hand painted uh, some uh, our our logo on it and and some Hawaiian uh, uh, hibiscus plants on it. So I love my I love my safety gear enough to actually <laughs> customize it for myself. Um, and then when we're in the studio, it, anytime we're using something that's solvent based, whether it's spray paint um, or some, you know, alcohol or something like that in our process, we're wearing a, uh, a full fa- a full respirator with that and then our eye protection. Um, but with the resin itself, we like to use resin that is no VOCs so that we don't have to worry about it being really bad to breathe in or anything like that. Yeah, so the, the Stone Coat product is 100% solids. There's no solvents in it. It's There's no volatile organic compounds, and the art resin is the same. Um, I know like Ecopoxy out there, that's a plant-based resin, and those are really good to use that you don't even, you don't have to worry about uh, the respirators. And so... So, you know, at that point in time, when we're just dealing with like mica or, or a, a pigment paste, then we're just wearing gloves and, and, and it's really nice to be able to work like that to where we're not, you know, bogged down with all of our safety equipment. But when, when it's warranted, we definitely wear our safety gear. Thanks. Yeah. I asked that because I know that's going to be one of the questions that we would get from listeners. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So next question. Oops. Um, do you have any secrets to getting art supplies? You say you make your own cradle boards and we talked about which resins, but are there any other art supplies that you don't get like from the normal art supply stores? Like your pigments probably come from the resin companies. Um, but how about like the cups and that sort of thing? So with our, with our mixing cups and it, I know that there's a couple of artists out there that they'll they'll buy like glass mixing cups and they'll reuse them and they'll buy you know like silicone mixing cups and that the resin pills out and they can reuse them. Um, unfortunately for us, because of the the size of the jobs and projects that we're doing and and how how much resin we have to mix and and and, and that and just the sheer amount of time that comes in from doing, you know, having to, to reuse a cup and peel out the resin and make sure you don't have any small little pieces stuck in there. We, we buy in bulk and that that's, so we'll buy the uh, paint 
mixing cups uh, in bulk. We'll buy a 24 ounce and we'll buy 64 ounce um, mixing cups. We buy uh, paint sticks in bulk. Um, all of those right now we're getting on Amazon. Um, uh, we use a, uh, actually use a drill with a uh, paint paddle mix mixer that we'll use when we're mixing large batches of resin. And uh, um, then as far as like micas and pigments and that, we're, we're playing right now with a lot of different things and trying to really find out what works for us. We, we will go to Sherwin-Williams and have them custom mix uh, colors for us uh, in, in some of the, their oil-based alkyd paints, and that works really good as a base tint. Um, we use some of the – we use micas from all sorts of different companies, whether it's Black Diamond or uh, Pearl X from Jacquard. Um, we use, uh, we started just playing with some pigment paste from Just Resin um, and from uh, another company that their, their brand is slipping me in. And, uh, but we are very interested in trying new pigments and new, new ways to color our resins. Uh, spray paint has been a phenomenal uh, it's one of our favorite go-to things. If we can find the right colors, spray paint just, it sells real nicely. You get a really nice tone and some really great colors. And, and you know, we, we've talked about um, mixing and, and getting some custom, having our own, own pigments made up of custom colors. We've toyed with the idea of doing some actual, actual uh, using, um, Mi real minerals and real uh, like uh, crushed rocks to get certain effects and looks. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we're looking at doing uh, down the road to, to, to take us to the next level with our artwork. Awesome. I had no idea about the spray paint. I've done some spray paint art and I have a lot of cans of spray paint and I'm going to do some backgrounds with that, but I never even considered putting it in with the resin. That's interesting. Yeah, we'll we'll mix it. We'll actually spray it into the resin and mix it, and we'll spray it on top of the resin. You know, even if we've already got different colors in mixed in with the resin, then we'll come in and spray it on top of that to get different effects and different layers of colors. And and it, it works. It's it's really amazing. It's it's it definitely is a great tool. However, with the, the tricky thing with the spray paint is you've got to be really careful and test your spray paints before you commit to using it on a project because certain spray paints work well with certain resins and certain spray paints don't work with certain resins. So if you're going to experiment with something like that, make sure that you do you know just a small little test piece first let it cure see what see how it reacts see how it cures make sure make sure that uh it it that 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 your end product still is what it needs to be after it's cured and then then you know that you can move on with that particular brand uh and mixture okay i have a question for you i'm i'm so curious about the spray paint thing right now so one of the things that i've done with spray paint was i would do an acrylic pour where i'd pour the paint out onto the canvas and then I'd spray paint the top and then I'd stretch it and the spray paint because it dries so fast would split apart. So 
Yeah. Do you do that with the resin? You spray it before the resin's dry and then let it stretch? We certainly do. Do you want to touch on any of that with the spray paint, Lauren? So um, one of the coolest things that we that, that I really love is playing with the bright gold. Uh, uh, if you use the Rust-Oleum bright gold and you spray that on, it dries almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And then when you, when you stretch it, you know, by tilting it or you, you add, add some heat with the torch or you, you break it up with a brush or a, a stick or something like that, you get some really, really cool effects that you really can't get any other way. But we certainly do that with all the, uh, uh, uh spray paints is, is sometimes we'll spray it on and, and, and sometimes we'll take and we'll put, we'll mist a little bit of alcohol on it. And that'll get some really cool selling and, and it'll just fight against and push away the spray paint. And, and then, like you said, if you tilt it and that, then, then as it's mixing with the different types of pigments that you have, they're going to fight against each other and you'll get some cool, cool uh, effects with that as well. Wow. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. That's really interesting. I might have to think more about what I'm doing with my spray paints. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you have a, a pretty successful Instagram account. Do you have any social media tips for, for Instagram or Facebook or Facebook Marketplace for other artists? <laughs> well, for, for me, when I look at where we're at right now, it has been a really long and hard road to, you know, we're just, just we're like at 475 followers right now on Instagram, and we've got... Uh, I don't remember where we're at as far as uh, 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 Facebook, but it has been a really, really difficult, slow road for us to grow to where we're at. The one thing that I have noticed about the slow growth, and I am not patient in anything, and so it's really hard for me to to look at a 12-year-old who has you know, 3000 followers or, you know, and I, 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 I'm always comparing myself and our feed to other people's. And Lauren's always telling me to stop doing that, that we need to not compare and that we just need to, to post what makes us happy, post and keep our, you know, keep our posts true to what we are and who we are. And then the followers will happen. And the, the interesting thing with the followers that we have is we very rarely get followers that drop off. So we might, we, we don't have fluctuation. We don't, we don't get, you know, 20 or 30 followers that will pile on and then have 15 or 20 followers that will drop off within uh, a couple of days. The followers that we have have, have pretty much been with us from the very beginning. And I think that is most the only thing I can attribute that to is that we have been posting what we are interested in and the things that we like and what's true to us and true to our brand. And so I guess that would be my biggest thing is, is don't worry about other people and how they post, post what makes you happy. Um, be regular in your posts, whatever that means to you. Um, I've been just this last week, I've been so busy with other things that I try to post once a day and we haven't had uh, projects that I've felt that 
uh, were worthy of posting, but it's important to post regularly, whether you do it twice a week, three times a week, or every day. Uh, the, the new algorithm that, uh, that, that uh, Instagram has, it, you've got to post regularly and you can post any time throughout the day, but it, you know, you, you just need to be very consistent in, in, in posting and that. And, and as far as everything else, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And, and I have, I have no idea how to really grow it successfully other than just what we've been doing. I know that we're starting, we, we've been talking a lot lately and, and we're trying to start doing a lot more live feeds on Instagram. Uh, I was just going to ask you about that because I noticed those. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now when we have something that's in the studio where we have the ability to step aside or one of us has the ability to video, we're trying to start showing exactly what we're doing in the shop. And that way, that way people can see part of what our process is. And then they can see the projects that we're working on. They can, you know, like, like I did a live feed today and I, I really like posting what, you know, and, and showing people the mistakes that I make as well as the successes. I really, I, it, it can get very discouraging when you're looking at Instagram and Facebook and all you see are all of these, you know, perfect pieces that, that people post or their, their perfect family life. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things, there's a lot of mistakes, there's a lot of imperfection, and there's a lot of thi- pulling our hair out and having to figure things out that goes into our process. And I really want people to see that, that we are real, that we are, that we struggle, that, that not everything comes out perfectly, that, that we redo things to get it as perfect as we can. And, and so that's one of the things that I'm trying to, to show in, in our live feeds as well is when we make those mistakes that they do happen, that we do correct and that then we do uh, move on from there and we learn from those mistakes and that that's an important part of our process. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean to do more lives as well. Um, and I, I don't really show too many of my mistakes, but I definitely have them. So maybe you inspire me to add some more to that. Um, another question and that more advice I want you to give other artists, but selling on Facebook, on Facebook marketplace, what advice would you have for them for that? Uh, the post often and post different. So, so what I mean by that is, when when we really are getting the uh, a high stream of cl- clients coming in or a lot of interest, it, I'm I'm posting like Friday morning, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning on Marketplace, and and then I might post a couple of posts uh, each of those days, and by doing that, um, and then by by changing what I'm posting, you know, the, the, the first picture that people see by changing that I'm gonna, I'm, I'm spreading it out to where you might not, you might not be, um, uh, drawn to one particular 
picture, but you might be drawn to another one. And so I'm trying to really, you know, like, like with our countertops, some of them I'll post that look just like stone. Some of them look like, like, uh, 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 granite. Some of them look like soapstone. Some of them look like art. Some of them look like they could be stone, even though they are art. And, and so I will mix it up and I will gear, you know, if I'm posting, uh, something that is specific to the art, then I make sure that I gear what I'm, my details to people who are interested in art. And, and, and those are usually people who are bored with the options that are typically out there, there for countertops. Um, and then, then, like I said, I just post frequently with those and, you know that that that's how we've that's how we've been really successful in getting the clients that we've had. Um, every time a, as we're working on on those jobs, um, and this kind of ties in with the even though it's not part of the Facebook Marketplace, but it, it's important to posting on Facebook Marketplace is as I'm posting, as I'm, as I'm going through and, and showing progress on a job or on an art piece, I'm posting that to my Facebook page as well. Because one of the things that people will do is they'll, they'll look at your Facebook Marketplace ad, your post there, and then they'll tie in and they'll go look at who you are and what you're posting on your personal account and then that will they'll they'll be able to see all the other different things that I've done through there as well and so that that that's been something that's really been helpful in in the Facebook mar- Facebook marketplace awesome okay well we're running out of time so I'm going to uh cut us a little bit short but before we end um can you tell us how to get a hold of you online so websites instagram for both you and Lauren Okay, so for for our company name is Ohana Resin Designs, and you can find us on the internet. On we have a web page which is OhanaResinDesigns.com. We are on Instagram at Ohana Resin Designs, and also on uh, Facebook as Ohana Resin Designs. So we've tried to keep it all the same and consistent among all the different platforms. Lauren has a lot of her own uh, art also listed um, at Lauren Kamek, and that's on Instagram only. So that would be at Lauren Kamek. Um, and that's that's pretty much where we're at. Awesome. And I will put those as links in the show notes to this episode. Thank you so much for joining me for this interview. And I'm really excited to post this forward. Well, thank you very much for inviting us and thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the Curious Kirby podcast. To learn more and make your internet marketing easier and automatic, visit CuriousKirby.com and check out the blog. Sign up for our newsletter for exclusive tips, freebies, and events. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you prefer. Until next time, thanks.